Hi, dear listener. Sarah Hummer speaking. Welcome to Learning Day, a journey to explore how we can integrate learning in our everyday lives. I've decided that I'm no longer going to script these intros to the podcast. We're not living our lives with a script right now, so it feels only fair that these intros also aren't scripted. Since the pandemic started forcing us to stay at home, I have started to realize that my days were all very serious, that there wasn't a big element of play or of chance. I had to like search for that. I felt the need to search for a bit of lightness in my days. So I've been not only changing my routines, trying to find that by myself, I've also started to look out for events online that could help me connect with others through that lightness and playfulness. And there's one specific event that I've been going to that includes a special element of play, and that is magic. So today, I'm bringing you magic and how it connects to learning. If you've been missing a little bit of magic, of play, of lightness in your days, this episode is for you. Today's guest is Rubens Filho. We talked about how to look and find magic in your day-to-day -day life and what can happen if you stay in that space of wonder. We also talked about how magic connects with different people and how they learn best. And Rubens may or may not have performed the magic trick for us only with the power of voice. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hello Rubens, how are you doing? Hello, Sarah. Thank you for having me here. I'm doing quite well today. Thank you. I'm really glad that, that you accepted this invitation. And I have a feeling that this is going to be quite a magical episode today. And I am trying out these new two first questions that I've never asked my guests before. So let's see how this goes. How would you describe yourself as a learner? I would like to say that I'm a curious person. And I have always been an explorer. So for me, it's about choosing a new way to go to work every day, different path. It's about looking at things from a different angle. It's about asking questions and questions and questions. I'm one of the best friends of Google, you know, always searching, how do you do this? How do you do that? Why? What's the population of this country? Or how do you create a podcast? So you said you're taking a different way to work every day. What was the most surprising thing that has happened to you in those wanderings? For me, it's always being the observer. So mm. it's just like in this process of looking at different things, you meet people that are going through situations or you see a piece of nature in front of yourself. There is always something going on and it's small or big. And I love that. Like, In this lockdown, now I go walking every day, normally in the same places because, you know, it's my neighborhood. But mm -hmm. still, I am always seeing it from different lenses. Sometimes it's the time of the day and how the sun hits apart. Sometimes it's who is in the street because if it's night, it's a different crowd or it's very silent. And then you just see the, 
the lights coming from the houses and the noises and the families together. Yeah. I think the lockdown has also inspired me to notice other things that I've never noticed before. So here in my now office, this used to be the guest room, now it's an office. <laughs> I'm I have a big window and sometimes I'm working and I look out the window and I've noticed there's always the same neighbor there and he, I feel like he's my, you know, office buddy. He's there in his balcony reading the paper and I'm here in my in my office working on my computer. I feel like we have a relationship now. And I've never talked to that person before. I don't even know what his name is, but I've I noticed that person and I've never noticed that person before. That's fantastic. That's a pure connection. And so talking about learning, I think we don't talk enough about how difficult learning can be sometimes. And I wanted to ask you, what was the hardest thing you've ever learned? Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think learning is difficult because it takes lots of humility, like accepting you don't know something and sometimes getting it wrong. And, and that makes it so hard. I think the most difficult thing to learn in life is to learn about ourselves. I would say this is the biggest challenge, really, like having this clear view of yourself and accepting your weaknesses and your blind spots and and your limitations, in some senses, your limitations. Of course, if you ask me practical things that I struggle to learn, mm -hmm. maths is one, and <laughs> playing saxophone was the second. I tried it too late. I don't think it was the easiest thing for me. No, I had fun for one year in the process <laughs> of learning, but I struggled a lot. My music was very poor. I love the saxophone. I wish I could play it. <laughs> I can play the guitar. I'm not brilliant at it, but I can, I can manage. But And I can sing a little bit. But yeah, I, I wish music was part of my life a little bit more. <laughs> Indeed. Now looking at the other side, learning isn't always difficult or frustrating. There's also beautiful moments that come out of learning. What was the most delightful thing that you've learned? I think learning... For me, it's been part of my life in trying new things all the time. So I, I started my career as a lawyer. Mm. I then changed to become a copywriter, then became creative director. Then I went into digital. Then I created my own business. And I think every time I learned something different and very ple pleasurable in this process of becoming more creative, Uh, this enlargement of my creativity, of the belief that I could do more. And I think, like, learning that I had my more potential, maybe it was learning about more potential is the thing that was really, like, exciting, that I could always do more and in different ways. So I think that's where I took the biggest pleasure from. Even when, you know, I was in a comfortable situation, like as a creative director, very successful, there was a moment I said, I need to learn something different here. Let's jump again back to the uncomfortable. Let's jump back to uncertainty, to ambiguity. And, and that's, that gives you like, it's thrilling and exciting. It's scary, but very pleasurable. Yeah, that reminds me of a definition of learning that I read the other day. And it was something like learning is creating your own future and feeling like you can do that. Hmm. And... I think the way you describe that experience is a little bit of that feeling this, I can do more. I want to do more. Do you agree? 
Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I want to try different, I would say. And, and, mm. and it's just like I don't like to stay in a very comfortable space for too long. There is something inside me that kind of say, hey, what can you do more? I mean, can you do something different here? Can you try something different? I, I never knew what was going to come after law. And then came a space of possibility within the advertising industry. But then came a space of possibility within managing teams. And then came a space of possibility in terms of understanding something totally different, like the digital space and and never comfortable. You know, when I, when I went to Hyper Island, I was by far the eldest guy in the room. <laughs> and it was fantastic because of that like all the all the challenge that came from that experience yeah uh, let's talk a little bit about that can you tell us what hyper island is because not everyone will will know that's cool and what, how was that experience of joining that kind of challenging fun but challenging experience after having so much experience in other fields yes uh, so hyper island is Well, they were born as this queue to prepare you for the future 25 years ago, around that time. And they envisaged the skills that were going to be needed for today's world, a world of technology. And the interesting bit is that you go thinking you're going to learn about technology, but indeed you learn about yourself, you learn how to work with others. So I, I found it quite exciting. What was it like going there after 20 years of success in in an industry, I think it was exciting because I met all these amazing people from all over the world in their 20s, in their 30s, and I was in my 40s. And it was just like opening my mind to new possibilities and putting myself out of the comfort zone. I enjoyed having the time, a bit of pause to, to go back to theory. So mm -hmm. imagine you spent 20 years doing things, doing, 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 very practical, always creating a new campaign, talking to marketing teams and doing lots of production of films. And one day you just need to study and understand better what's design thinking or you need to write a paper about whatever it is. And I, I mm. loved it. Yeah, having that, that space, like finding the space to allow yourself to try different things. I think that is essential for any kind of learning, but specifically when you're so used to that go, 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 go attitude and feeling that if you don't find that space, then you're not allowing yourself. Yes. And I think, I think now, Sarah, we're living in such an interesting moment because I think learning happens when you allow yourself to, or when the world tells you to, that there is a big change and, and then you need to become curious and you need to, to, rethink the way you do things right mm -hmm. and i think it's fascinating what's going on now i mean putting the suffering aside of course all the pain all the loss all the grief but if you just think about us saying hey the world doesn't work as i imagine mm -hmm. i mean you know like everything that was there is, is not as i thought necessarily and now we need to think about new ways of doing things new ways of working new ways of being with the people in this confined space called our homes the way you make money in your business probably and all this comes with these answers and this is a fantastic world of possibility 
And, and that's where I see the power. When we do magic, we create a moment of wonder. And moment of wonder is a moment where there is a clash between what you think, how you think the world works, and what you just experienced that doesn't fit that box. And this is based between the known and unknown. There is this drive for knowing how it works. There is this drive for curiosity. And I think we are all experiencing this drive together, which is something very unique in time. You've started talking about magic. Can you tell us how magic is in your day-to-day -day life? I started magic when I was 16. So I was not that young, actually. I loved circus before. I had this passion for performance and this playful aspect of performance. But I only started magic when I was 16. At the time, there was no YouTube. I had to be accepted as an apprentice. So I found mm -hmm. this guy in Brazil. I come from Brazil, so I used to live in Sao Paulo. And I found this guy that finally accepted me. And I did a short course, I don't know, three months, four months. And, and then I fell in love with magic. I tried to do a play, became an bit of actor dash magician play two hour long, I mean two hour, almost two hours long and but with lots of stage magic involved and from that moment I start to explore magic as a hobby and it took many years for it to grow in within my life so I, as I told before I worked as a lawyer then I went into advertising but magic was my companion on the side I always had a coin in my hand. Sometimes I was performing to the company, sometimes performing to friends. Sometimes I was just at home watching magic and learning magic because the process of learning magic, I think it's very similar to the process of learning music. It's mm -hmm. It takes a lot of mastery and it takes a lot of humility and say, hey, I don't know this, but I can try. And, and it's, in the beginning, it feels like you never reached that, that point over there. But if you just go bit by bit, bit by bit, and improving and improving and improving, and then when you put it out there and people react to it, it's beautiful. I've had the chance to see you perform some magic tricks. I think only online. We've met in person once, right? Yes. Yeah, here in, in Portugal. And yeah, I didn't see any magic there. Well, at least not magic trick. And I've been like participating in some webinars that your company has been hosting. And every time you do a, a, ma a magic trick, even if it's very small, I always feel so excited. And there's this, as you were saying, this space of wonder, of, like trying to understand how that happened. And I don't know, it triggers something. And at least in me, I don't know if in other people. How do you see that connection with like, the way you do magic and the way it connects with other people, how does it feel on the other side? I performed lots of magic throughout life for friends, as I said, in company, but that was just performing magic, which is in itself very powerful. But lately, like the last five years, when, when I created my company, it was about using magic for a purpose mm -hmm. and of the purpose of helping people learn. And I think that finding this soft spot where magic can create powerful learning experiences, that was for me a great insight and a world of fantastic possibilities. Magic does lots of things very well that are very unique. Number one, it connects to the mind. Yeah, it's a challenge to the mind. 
it really gets people people's attention, which I think is one of the most precious things, getting people's attention. So hard nowadays. And then it has also this soft spot like reaching their heart because people feel when you do magic and even if you have a beautiful story around it or if you know how to get connect to people, it touches their hearts, right? And, yeah. and third, there is a lot of gut feeling going there. When people react to magic, it's just like an explosion, right? So bringing all these things together, it, it allows you to create beautiful things from that space. Magic challenge is what we know. It doesn't put us in a box, you know, like when you ask what is magical about someone, you don't go for the obvious questions. You go for what's not that easy to explain. I think magic breaks barriers between people. People put aside a little bit of those bad words or like bad feelings about each other. And then all of a sudden they open up for the possibilities of that, that space of playfulness. And I think it is a great equalizer too. So, I mean, what, what happens when we go to companies to train people using the magic as this extra element, it equalizes people in the room. So sometimes we have the CEO and the trainee and it's, you know, like there is no different. They are all together in this thing, starting something new, starting to learn something. I've never participated in any of your workshops. I'm very curious. I've seen a few videos, <laughs> but I've experienced a little bit of that yesterday. It wasn't magic, but I was facilitating a, a workshop. It was a virtual workshop and we were doing like negative ideation. So I was asking people to think of the worst possible ideas in three stages. And we were like, have on a Zoom call and they were going into smaller groups. And every time they came back in between those sections, um, they had this feeling that they had just gone through a, like a roller coaster. You know, when you get to the end of the roller coaster and you're like, yeah, let's do it again. That face of, oh, this was cool. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, wait a minute. This, this feels really good for them. It feels good to me that they are having fun. And now when you were describing the way people interact with magic, it was a little bit of that of like, oh, there's, it's possible. And I'm, I'm enjoying this and I'm curious to see what's next. What are the roller coaster reactions that you've gotten in, in your workshops? Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I think people underestimate the power of energy and of playfulness in the corporate space. And we don't, we are not allowed too many spaces to play and, and to have fun. But now maybe it's a good moment for us to reveal that, right? But what I see when you bring that in a crafted manner, it opens up people to possibilities. So I, I see discovering things about themselves. You know, I see people sometimes awkwardly trying to do something with magic they never did before. First two minutes are terrifying. Sometimes people like, are really like they block, they shut down. But then if you give them that space and they try a bit more and that all of a sudden you start to hear that laughter and it, the, the noise in the room goes up. And, and people, when they feel things that strongly and you invite them to reflect, then learning comes and it comes in beautiful ways. Because I think what what's powerful to think about is how people learn and people learn in different ways right yes and do you think that the playfulness the magic does that help people realize how they learn i think it 
you can always invite them to think about mm -hmm. how they learn and it's very powerful to do so. I think magic allows you to play in all these spaces because some people learn with concepts and logic and they are thinkers and magic mm -hmm. has that side, right? It mm -hmm. has all the how and how the brain works and what are the limitations of our perception. There's so much psychology into it. So there is this concept and logic. But some people learn through feelings. They need to feel good about the experience. They need to know that you care about them. It's relevant what's going on there. And, and these people, they can also feel the magic, right? Some other people, they learn by doing it's hands-on. They use their senses, what they're listening to, and and, and their hands, that touch, they, they need to try. And there are people also who, who are just like, they don't know where it comes from. They just know things. That's a lot of like this gut feeling, this butterfly in the stomach. They, they want to try something different. Oh, I'm going to bungle jump, they go. I mean, I don't know. Some people just like throw themselves into the space. So they like to be out of this comfort zone. So this invitation, of course, for you and having the power of accessing each one of these categories and, and being able to provide a learning experience that can tick all the boxes. It makes learning very inclusive. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought about it in that perspective. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thank you. I never thought about that before. <laughs> you know, when I started a Academy, it's been five years. I started working with young people and I, all the workshops and the interactions, they were made to help these young people improve their self-esteem through the performance and listening to magic and watching magic and reflecting about it and their sense of belonging and uh, confidence. But... From there, I started to see many other spaces. I started to work with companies. And then so many other things came, like the psychology, the neuroscience, you know, like the playful aspect. There are so many parts, and it's just very rich, perfect for connection and growth. If, if someone is lucky enough to be in one of your uh, workshops, you will make that invitation. You invite them to come into the space. How can someone invite themselves? to be in this space, what advice would you give? You mean to invite someone to be in this space of curiosity and playfulness? Let's make it specific. How could I invite myself to be in this space if I don't have someone to prompt me into being more playful or being more free? I always talk about the wonder mindset. When you see a magic trick, when you see something you don't know and you become curious about things, that moment's very strong. And I invite people normally to keep that mindset into their everyday life. Even the questions that you heard again and again, if you can try to find different answers, if you can sit a little bit more in this space of the uncomfortable, of not knowing. Because I think what we need to remember is our perception of the world is very limited. The more you know about how your brain works, you understand that your brain is optimized to use the energy it has, the less energy that possible, to solve the situation, right? Whatever situation you have there, to live your day. But with the minimum amount of energy, that means that it's not about the solving every problem the best possible way. The brain just wants to keep going and surviving. So if you know that, and you know the limitations that this brings... Maybe you can invite yourself to say, hey, let me see what I am missing here. What am I not seeing? Because we are not seeing a lot. 
Yeah, that's a really good reminder. I read a lot. Well, I see a lot on the internet. I don't necessarily read a lot about it, but a lot around productivity and how to make your day most efficient. What you are talking about is kind of going against it a little bit and being intentional about how can I not be as efficient and what are the possibilities that they can bring. Do you ever feel this conflict when you're talking to people about this this idea of wonder? Does that come up with your clients or with other people? Yeah, this tension never goes, right? And and the corporate world loves the, to be productive. But I think then comes these moments in life like disruption by digital or disruption by COVID-19 and tell us that things are not that simple and there is much more into it than we imagine. And, and having this curious and this wonder mindset can help us tackle this these situations in a much better way instead of jumping into one conclusion straight away. Maybe let yourself to be a bit longer there and experiment other possibilities and see, create the conditions to be in that space a little bit longer and then you can jump into there. there Maybe a better conclusion, a better solution uh, for that specific problem. Of course, real world brings us like uh, we have a thousand things to tackle and we need to automate things. That's why the brain does that, like where get beliefs, create facts in the mind and just solve problems. But in a world with so much change, we need to be intentional about things. So there are moments that we need to stop and say, hey, let me be in this space a little bit longer. And sometimes it's not about spending an enormous amount of time. Sometimes it's just about being intentional five minutes, 10 minutes diverging before you converge, you know? So that makes a huge difference. And I think you can include that in moments that probably in the past were empty or as you said, not even empty, they were not intentional. So to be specific, since the lockdown, I've been trying to find ways to be with myself because I'm, I'm used to living by myself and now I don't. And so there was some challenges around there. And one thing I've started doing was having my coffee in the morning while everyone else is still in bed, um, looking out the window. It is as simple as this, but just this moment of looking outside, seeing who's out there, looking at the trees, looking at the sky, and it just makes me relax a little bit. So it's not so much like having new ideas or diverging on a problem is just not even having a problem. <laughs> it's just being there. And I think that helps me and that prepares me for then sitting down in front of my desk and being productive. And so that there's these two modes that we need to explore. Yes, indeed. And I would say, Sarah, that we live in a world where technology is like, better and better and these computers are doing things that are amazing and more and more they are so productive right they yeah. they are so good in doing certain things i think we humans we need to step up and we need to become better humans and that means that we need to become more imaginative we need to become more creative we need to do the things that a computer cannot do so I think we need to shift and invest more time in being in this uncomfortable space because we need to use our imaginations. 
And we need to be curious about others. We need to cu be curious about ourselves and our limitations and our possibilities. And we need to be curious about the world and what we can do to transform it in better ways because this way is just not enough. So I think it's also about shifting a little bit. Let's intentionally put productivity in a different box and let's, let's create better humans here so we can then reinvent the world in a more human manner. Rubens, I have this question for you that I'm asking all the guests. And it's an exploration of mind, of mind, a mind as well, but also of mine. <laughs> and the question is, what is learning for you? Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult question, right? I think I think scientifically it's just processing new information, right? And I think the difficulty people have when they go into science is whether how you measure that, because I think we are not have all the tools we need yet to go into the brain and say, hey, there was learning here. So people mm -hmm. tend to measure that by changing behaviors and lots of the theory of what's learning goes goes into that that space. Was there a change of behavior or not? But I think for me, learning, the, the more I know about the world, the less I know. So for me, learning is a lot about trying new things and enriching my perception of the world. Knowing that my perception is so limited because of the knowledge that magic gave me and, and knowing how our brain works in, from attention control to decision-making, I know the limitations so much that I keep in this exercise of trying to expand as much as I can my, my humble perception. And I do that to create new possibilities in my brain. And I do that to experiment with other people and do things together and, and bring us together to new spaces. And not sure I answer your question, but that, that would, that's what, what comes to It my is. mind. The, an exploration so there's no destination in this question <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly right you said that the more you know the less you know and i wondered if that's ever frustrating for you i i, I don't take it like that for me it's fun mm -hmm. and i enjoy the journey and as you said just now you, you mentioned it's not mm -hmm. about the end It's about exploration. And I think that's what's fun in life. Uh, I, I want to look back in my life and say, hey, I tried everything. You know, I was exposed to all kinds of experiences. And I've done that so far in my life. And I think I'm just halfway and want to do much more. I live in my day. I live today. I do what I do today. And tomorrow, hopefully, I'm going to have another something that will be as exciting or even more than, than what I do today. I have one last request for you. Can you perform a magic trick for us? Okay, Sarah, you know what you're asking me, right? You're asking me to perform <laughs> a trick just through the power of voice. Yes, I know this is a big challenge, but I, I know you can do it. <laughs> I'm going to try something. It's something from a fantastic magician called Juan Esteban Varela. He's a, a Chilean guy. And he does magic for blind people, which is gorgeous, like magic in the dark. So this is one of his numbers, and I love it. So we're going to try to commit to magic, okay, everyone. And it's very important that each one of you get a ring. So if you have a ring in your hand, you just take it out. 
If you don't have, no problem. We're going to imagine a ring, okay? Now, I'm going to ask you to get this ring, whether it's a real ring or an imaginary ring, and put that ring in one finger, any finger, of your left hand. You don't tell me. You just choose one of the fingers and you put your ring there. Now, let it rest there for some seconds because I'm going to explain the rules of what I'm going to do in some seconds. So, if I tell you to change the position of the ring, you can move it to the left or you can move it to the right. But always to fingers that are next to the finger in where you have the ring. So what you cannot do, you cannot skip fingers. So if you reach the end of the hand, that is the pink or the thumb, you need to come back towards the interior of the hand. Clear? Another important thing is, if I have to tell you, for example, you need to change the position of the ring twice, you can move right-right or right-left or left-left. So you can alter to fingers that are next always, okay? And if you get to the pink or thumb, Again, you go back to the inner part of the hand. Just don't jump. Those are the rules. So let's start. For that, we need to know that uh, we will call the thumb finger number one, index finger is number two, middle finger number three, ring finger number four, and pinky will be number five. I'm only going to ask you to remember in which finger you have got the ring. So again, thumb is one, index two, Middle finger three, ring finger four, pinky is number five. So, for example, if I have in the thumb, is number one. If I have in the pink, is number five. Just pay attention in which finger you have got the, the ring and leave it there. Now, you're going to change the position of the ring as many times as the number you're thinking of. So, if you have in the index finger, you need to change twice. If it's the thumb, you change once. If it's the pink, you change five times. Do the change to the number that corresponds to the number you're thinking now. And let the ring rest there. Because despite our distance, I try to feel and perceive and think in which finger you got the ring. It's difficult. But it's clear one thing for me, it's not in your thumb. The thumb is empty. So if it's not in the thumb, close the thumb. That finger won't participate anymore. It's been turned off. I'm not clear about the other. So I'll ask you to change again only once to the left or to the right. Change the ring now. And let it rest there. I'm sensing. It's not clear. So I'm going to ask you to change it again once to the left or to the right now. It may be the connection, but it's not clear yet. So I'm going to ask you to change once again to the left or to the right. Now I get it. The index is empty. So please close the index. That finger will not participate anymore. It is eliminated. It could be now in any of the three fingers. Not clear yet for me. So I'm going to ask you to change once more to the left or to the right. Let me feel it. 
Okay. Yes, I get it. You have it in the ring finger. That's it. Sarah, got you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rubens. Thank you for all your magic and wisdom. It was a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much, Sarah. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you, everyone. If you want to get in touch with Rubens, you can find him on LinkedIn. You'll find a link to his profile on the show notes. I would also love to hear from you. And you can do that by going to anchor.fm slash learning dash day and leave a voice message or reach out to the Instagram link on that page. If this episode was useful to you, consider subscribing to Learning Day on your podcast app and as a little extra, share it with a friend. I don't know where this is going to take us but I know we're going to learn something along the way. Thank you for listening. See you next time.